Seinfeld, the letter is over, but we're just getting started on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who would never wear a Baltimore Orioles cap at a Yankee game. I'm Rob Sesternino. Here's Akiba Winokur. Akiba, how are you? Good. I thought you were going to say would never wear button flies on their jeans. No, that too. That too. And so, Akiva, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Do they even make button flies on jeans anymore? Boy, I'm sure they do make them. Yeah, I feel like uh, I f- that may have gone out in the 90s for the most part. Yes, I would think so. So we are talking about the letter here, uh, which is almost here at the end of season three. Yeah, just two more left after this one. Oh, my God. I feel like we just started season three. Um, yeah, listen, time flies when you're having fun. But season four, is it's very exciting that we're almost here. We're almost there. And so... We are talking about an episode where Jerry is dating a painter and uh, he actually breaks up with the painter. But then the painter writes him this letter, um, which he realizes was sort of copied from a movie. Also, probably more notably are the other stories uh, from this episode, which include the artist painting the Kramer, uh, which is probably more iconic than it is funny. Uh, And then also Elaine wears the Baltimore Orioles hat to the box at Yankee Stadium. And the first time we visit Yankee Stadium in Seinfeld. Uh, Yeah, the first of many times. And right. You you made a good point already that um, the what you'd call the A story in this episode is the least famous of the three plot lines. Yes, yes. And probably, uh, yeah, the least least memorable and maybe, uh, you know, uh, least iconic of what's going to happen in this episode. So, all right, we're going to talk about it, though. The letter, episode 21 of season three, directed by Tom Sharonis, of course, and written by Larry David, because as we're going to find out that this a story like this happened to Larry David. Uh, right, this was Larry David. Uh, he says in the inside look that, uh, he asked um, one of the executive producers of the show for uh, tickets to an uh, what was then I, I guess then they were the Anaheim Angels. Yeah, and um, and the, he went with his friend, and his friend wore a Yankee hat, uh, and the tickets were um, in the box of the owner, who was then Gene Autry. Yes, who uh, well, he was a what was Gene Autry like a singer? A singer. He's saying Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, Kiva, one of your favorites. Yeah, I'm, I don't, I don't, you know. What, did he sing the iconic version? Is there? There has to be like a thousand Rudolph the Red Nose. I think he's probably saying you don't buy the Angels if you don't sing the iconic Rudolph the Red Nose. I guess Rangers. yeah, he's getting all the uh, all the uh, kickbacks from that. And yeah. uh, and then his friend was asked to take off his Yankee hat at the Angels game. Yeah, and that's how this story came up. It's ironic that you would think this is a very Steinbrennery thing to happen, but it actually didn't happen uh, involving George Steinbrenner, even though it was a true story. Yeah, Gene Autry was the uh, poor man's, the singing man's George Steinbrenner, maybe. (laughs) The West Coast Gene Autry. All right, so before we get to anything from the episode, Akiva, do you have any Seinfeld news from this week? Um, Yeah, I have a bunch of things, but uh, I think the thing that really uh, we should probably talk about for a minute was Jerry's appearance uh, and and LD's appearance on the uh, SNL 40 this past week. Yes. Now, were you excited to see this on the SNL show? Yeah, I mean, uh, they had advertised Jerry and Larry and, you know, some of the people they advertised were really just sitting in the audience. Um, But you knew that, like, Larry wasn't just showing up to sit in the audience because he probably didn't care, even though he actually has a a connection to SNL that he famously worked there for one season. Yes. Did you Um, appreciate uh, Jerry Seinfeld on the the SNL show? Because I actually talked about this on the SNL podcast. I didn't love all of this. I know it was funny, but... 
I just felt like it was at a place because I wanted to see SNL people. I like, I feel like it would have been weird if it was a Seinfeld reunion and like Dana Carvey, like we can't like was like answering questions about something like that. And he wasn't part of the show. Like, I mean, Jerry has hosted what once or twice. And so I just felt like it seemed odd. And especially that the way they were talking about Seinfeld about how that like, yeah, it was like Disneyland. We got out before Disneyland burned down. Um, I just felt like it. I'm not sure exactly uh, how that tied into Saturday Night Live. Right. So I'd say if if you're doing an SNL podcast, then the uh, the scene doesn't really make sense. But at, from a Seinfeld perspective, it was pretty funny. Yeah, I don't want to say it wasn't it wasn't funny. I just felt like it was you know three and a half hours of SNL stuff. Um, I felt like just stick to the uh, the SNL. So you would you would rather have seen like a the Bears sketch or like uh, you know two a holes in a you know parking lot. Or I mean, something. I think I would have rather have seen more SNL stuff on the SNL show as opposed to while that was fun. I just feel like, I mean, you had all of these SNL people together in the same room for the last time ever, probably for a lot of them. I felt like that there was probably a lot of opportunity left on the table than to do uh, Jerry doing uh, questions from the audience. Yeah, I know. I agree. Although it was funny. Um, I, you know, uh, briefly two things about SNL. One, um, I thought I, I like Bobby Moynihan. He's been on the show seven years. You know, he was not on the show at all. Yeah. I felt bad for him a little bit. They should have, I know the new cast isn't popular, but they should have like had them come out at the beginning, you know, all 14, 15 of them and kind of just like, even if they just introduced somebody like just to get everybody's face on there. Right. Would have been pretty, pretty easy, you know, to in, even to introduce like the seventh Paul Simon song or something. And, uh, the other thing is has nothing to do with SNL 40, but did you know Leslie Jones is 47? Well, yeah, she recently had said that on the show. That's crazy. Yes. I would have guessed she's 27. 27. Yeah, there you go. And also that I thought it was also a missed opportunity, but you know, you had Jerry, you had Larry, and then you have Julie Louis-Dreyfus, who was an SNL cast member, who's not there. I feel like that uh, seems odd to me. Yeah, if I had to guess, she was probably filming Veep or something. Like, she couldn't come. Yeah. Um, because there's no way they didn't invite her because I don't think they're on bad terms with her. And uh, she's still married to Brad Hall, right? Who was, uh, who was a Weekend Update anchor, no? Um, I believe that's all true, but I'd have to stop and verify. And we're, and we're on a roll, Akiva. Yeah. So um, I think, yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if Julie had been there, it would have made more sense because she was part of the show. But uh, I think the most interesting part of that was uh, when they had Ellen Cleghorn, a former um, SNL cast member, ask them if they thought there should be more black women on Seinfeld. Yeah. And Jerry did a line, which he's done um, pretty casually before. This was certainly the biggest setting for it. He said, you know, basically, mea culpa for not solving all the world's problems with our little sitcom. Yeah. Okay. I wonder how that comes up. I wonder, did the writers throw that out there? I mean, I felt like it was weird to uh, throw Ellen Cleghorn a bone because she wasn't really that notable of an SNL person. So um, I wonder what the genesis of uh, what that was. And I'm sure we could uh, talk about that for, for a long time. Um, also, are you following the uh, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, WFAN, uh, Bobby Ojeda saga? Oh, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld um, is very upset. That uh, I guess to give a little background, of course, Jerry's a big Met fan and uh, Bobby Ojeda was the um, was the pre and post game, one of the pre and post game analysts. Yes. And uh, Jerry really likes him and he got fired and Jerry basically mounted a single, uh, you know, handed campaign to get Bobby Ojeda his job back. Yeah. 
Uh, but then he reversed his position today. Well, I think he realized like it's a done deal and he feels bad for the new guy, uh, Nelson Figueroa. You shouldn't feel bad for Nelson Figueroa, you know, because he, he went to Brandeis. Yes. Anyone who went to Brandeis, forget about. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And the, I, I think, uh, you know, he felt bad. But did you know Bobby Ojeda, after Jerry came out like two years ago and said um, that, he, that he loves Bobby Ojeda, Bobby Ojeda said, yeah, I, I've never seen one second of Seinfeld. Okay, well, it doesn't have to be a mutual admiration. Jerry Seinfeld had retweeted uh, something from uh, Nelson Figueroa, and he wrote, uh, on your side, Fig Nelsons, hashtag over Ojeda. So Jerry has very quickly reversed his position. It's like, it's, he's a little bit like Kramer. You know, one second he believes you, the next second he's out, the next second he's in. Yeah, he's out. All right, let's talk about the letter, Akiva. Yeah, do you, um, let's start right there. Do you think the letter is the right name for this episode? Yeah, it's probably not. I think I would have probably called it the baseball cap. Yeah, I think the Orioles hat or the baseball hat or even like the Kramer painting would have made more sense. And I think this episode would probably be Remember, there's a few episodes in Seinfeld. Most of the, the titles are on the nose, but um, I think that uh, it would be remembered a little better if, if you just said like, because if, you know, when I say what's next week and, you know, we say the contest or the student Nazi, we know immediately what we're talking about. With the letter, nobody's going to like, oh, yeah, the letter, like what letter? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it needs more explanation. I think the biggest to go like really inside Seinfeld baseball, I think the biggest episode name miss is uh, the Backwards India episode, The Betrayal. Yeah. Should be called like the back, should be called like the Indian wedding the backwards episode. Or something it's like such that. a popular episode, but nobody knows the title. Yeah. Okay. So this is the letter. I agree. Two weeks ago, I would not have known which Seinfeld episode the letter was, but here we go. Jerry opens it up talking about the security guard in the museum. Are they really stopping anybody from stealing the art? Yeah. Aren't they really just kind of stopping people from touching the art? Yeah, probably. Probably. You know, I don't know really what goes into an art heist uh, these days. It's been a while since I've seen the uh, Thomas Crown Affair. Yeah, I think it's been forever since I've seen the <laughs> Thomas Crown Affair. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Are there a lot of art heists these days? I think, I think there haven't been any less art heists than there used to be. Yeah. Okay. I wonder if that was maybe sort of a, a more common thing where uh, before cameras and stuff like that, you sneak into the museum and steal the paintings. The problem is like you steal the paintings. I don't know. Like what's the next step? Because if it's a famous painting, sell them on like, the black market. Yeah. The black, but how big is the black market? Oh, that's I don't big. know. Black market is big. That's, uh, maybe we should become art thieves. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's, it's very good. You get it on the dark internet, right? Uh, yeah. And then you say, hey, I've got, you know, a Van Gogh. Uh, who's 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 wants to Van Gogh for it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, yeah, maybe this did happen more in the 90s, because also I feel like now probably every art museum worth its salt has 50 cameras on every painting. You would think so. You would think so. But they still don't let you touch the art. You know, I haven't been to a museum in a while, so I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I'm going to open a museum. It's all art you could touch. It's like all on like felt. It's not a bad idea. That sounds like uh, something Kramer would come up with. Yeah. Yeah. My son, he's uh, like a year and a half old. He has lots of books that you could touch. He loves that. It would be huge with kids. Well, I think every book is a book you could touch. Yeah. But this is really, you can, you know, start to get, uh, get in there. 
Um, so that would be a good museum. All right. So we start off with Nina. This is the woman that Jerry is seeing. Uh, she is doing a painting of Kramer. And I think that Kramer is uh, coming off a little creepy here uh, about how he's asking, do you want me to get naked? Why don't you get naked? Why don't you take your clothes off? We've talked about Kramer's violations of the bro code, but uh, if somebody's girlfriend is painting you, uh, I mean, I think offering, like saying you should get naked or I should get naked, I think is probably a, a major uh, misstep, right? I think that's like rule 2A of the bro code. Yeah. And we've seen Kramer like go after somebody that one of the guys is interested in. But to me, this is like a real violation. Yeah, this is much different than last week going after blue sweatpants. This is like his established girlfriend and Kramer is, you know, really hitting on her and then saying like, oh, yeah, basically don't tell Jerry. Yeah. Meanwhile, we see Jerry and George and they're talking about the button fly. George hates the button fly. Jerry likes the button fly. He says he doesn't want sharp interlocking teeth in that area. Akiva, where do you stand on the button fly? I mean, I don't know. I can't remember if I've had too many, you know, very many button flies on, on, on uh, jeans. But uh, I guess, yeah, I mean, the good old fashioned zipper and, and button, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. Yes. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I think that the button fly, I think I might've had like one or two pairs of pants that were button fly and I don't ever remember liking it. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm not, I'm not pro button fly, but I'm also anti-art. So I'm in George's corner in this whole scene. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Jerry has to go and meet up with Nina and George. Uh, he talks about how he doesn't get art. He always feels like it's oh, just another way for people to make him look stupid. Yeah, a girl once showed me like an abstract painting and I'm like, I don't get it. And she said, it's you. And I, I didn't know how to respond. I just walked away. Yeah. Was this, a, this wasn't a romantic interest, was it? I was, it was my girlfriend's sister at the time. Okay. So, so it, no, but if I was Cosmo Kramer, it would have been a romantic <laughs> interest. All right. So we go back to Kramer and Nina and she's painting him. And we find out that Nina has like this jealous streak. Not only is she an artist, but she's also like you get the sense that she's like one of these people that like is like a fiery uh, personality. And she wants to know about Elaine because she's a jealous type. I mean, I don't think even just the jealous type would want to know about their boyfriend's best friend who's his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, you're saying that this should be more normal. Like this should come up every single woman Jerry sees during the entire course of the series. You'd be like, so what's up with Jerry and Elaine? Right. It should be like the first thing. That should be the icebreaker. Yeah. Maybe that's why Jerry uh, can't have too many steady relationships. Everybody's weirded out by Elaine. I mean, that's kind of what one of the things George says when they're about to walk into the studio, no? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I like that Kramer compares Jerry and Elaine to they're like Abe Lincoln and Mary Todd. Uh, yeah, they're a big thing. <laughs> and Nina asks Kramer if he's friends with any of his ex-girlfriends. And he says, uh, you know, I have many relationships. So what did he mean by that? He has some people that he's friends with. Uh, you know, they just like Kramer being mysterious. Like I, I, nothing he says really is, uh, you know, makes any sense. Yeah. All right. So George and Jerry get to Nina's apartment and George doesn't like being fixed up for friendship. Uh, yeah. But, you know, if you're I mean, I'm sure, you know, you joke that you have no friends, but like if your friend marries a woman, either they hate you or you hate them and that's it for your friendship or you have to learn to like her. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the two ways it could go. Right. So I'm saying so like, you know, George has no choice here. He either likes her or, you know, 
I mean, I guess he could break them up, but uh, yeah, you know, other than other than that, he's stuck. Well, Jerry also says he doesn't know how much longer it's going to last. She doesn't like him having fun with anybody but her. Um, and George, this comment that you alluded to earlier is like, yeah, and it's a wonder you're still single. I feel like that's odd for George to say to Jerry. I feel like that might be something that somebody who's an outsider might say observing Jerry. But I feel like for somebody who is basically an accomplice for all of these things that happen in Seinfeld, it seems like a weird thing I thought for him to say. It is an interesting thing, but, you know, he's meeting a girl that's his friend's girlfriend, and he's already saying at the door, like, don't get too attached. This one's going to be over soon. Yeah. Okay. It just feels like that's something that a married person should say to Jerry. Oh, yeah. It's definitely the pot calling the kettle black. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. So let's go into the room, and now uh, George and Jerry are there, and George meets Nina, and Jerry says he brought George to see the paintings. And Nina is like perked up and Kramer says, uh, asks George if he's going to buy a painting. Yeah. I mean, you, you really do feel like the tension whenever George has to spend money. It re- you rarely have an episode where, you know, it, it's not at least broached that George is being cheap. So you love seeing George get, you know, hit with a big bill here. Yeah. Well, Nina asks George if he's an art lover. Uh, and he says, uh, art lover, I'm an art adorer. <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah, I mean, George is, uh, listen, big art man. Been, uh, re- been looking at art his whole life. He's an art adorer. Um, now, Nina's dad is an accountant. He has four seats uh, for the Yankees in the owner's box. Front row, allegedly. Uh, yeah, I, I once went with my dad on a road trip and we went to Oakland um, we went to a Jets Raiders game in in the black hole. We went to the black hole. We went to a 49ers game at four o'clock, uh, I guess one o'clock uh, your time. And then uh, and then Sunday night football, we, uh, you know, we just took the BART to from San Francisco to Oakland. And we went to a Jets Raiders game and we got the tickets from Al Davis because my father's uh, college buddy uh, was Al Davis's rabbi. <laughs> OK. And so Al Davis had just like, you know, uh, went to his synagogue for his like annual trip or something. and he. Uh, and he left some tickets. But anyway, our seats were not first row. They were first row of the upper deck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Al Davis didn't splurge for us. All right. So in all the excitement about the Yankee tickets, George ends up like holding a painting and Nina sort of says, oh, is that the one you want? Uh, do you think she picked out the most expensive one? <laughs> well, what's expensive? How do you price like, oh, this painting I made today is worth uh, $8,000. This one's worth $400. Like, I, I don't get that, the pricing of art. Uh, I mean, clearly, uh, neither do I. And can you haggle over art? Like if he had said, I'll give you 250 for it. Would she laugh at him or would she give it to him? I think you can haggle about anything. Um, Whether the person who's selling is going to haggle, I think, is probably the more uh, operative question. Uh, Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it is a good question. I do wonder, like, I understand there's, you know, if you're Pablo Picasso reincarnated, like, uh, you know, there's a market for your art. But if you're like a minor artist, how do you know whether your art is worth $10 or $10,000? You have to die first. I guess. But, you know, even then you have to die and become kind of famous. And like, there has to be a set, you know, if it goes to auction, fine, then, you know, the, the, the market will dictate it. But if you're kind of just like selling it out of your little, your grungy studio. Yeah. Um, I guess it's worth what people will pay for it. I don't know. I think the market dictates. Yeah. But, but she sells a $500 one and what's like good and bad. That's really my question. Like, how do you know, like, how could she have, you know, this is $500. 
and the Kramer is $5,000. Yeah. Well, I don't know. She's got uh, some people on the hook with the Kramer. Okay, so let's go to the Yankee game. And George is disappointed. He wanted the first row. He thought he was going to put his feet up on the dugout, but it's the second row. Have you ever sat in the first row of a baseball game? I don't think I ever sat in the first row. One time, like a scalper gave us like really good tickets. And uh, a friend of mine and I, we were very close, but not, um, you know, first row. I've sat in the first row, but now the first row is like $800 a seat. Yeah. For Met games. It's not, but they'll, if, if there's nobody there, they'll let you go down to like the second or the third row. Okay. But even if it's empty, they won't let you into the first row nowadays. That's right. That's right. All right. So Elaine, we find out that she skipped uh, Mr. Lippman's kids bris. Apparently. Is that right? There's a lot of bris humor inside, you know, and we know that uh, in season nine, Mr. Lippman's son has a bar mitzvah because he wants to be a man and he kisses Elaine. But I, I guess he has two sons because otherwise there's, his son would have been just six at his bar mitzvah. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. And so we find out, okay, here's a uh, Leonard West, who's Nina's father. And th- the father mentioned something along the lines of, yeah, it was cheaper when she wanted to be an actress. So I wonder how much he has to support her and her art. Uh, and maybe she needs to like make a big score to sort of like get her dad off her back. Right. Or maybe he, maybe like she's, you know, every fifth painting she makes him buy for like $5,000. Oh, maybe that could be it. Like, uh, yeah, dad, I need uh, some money. So I made you this new painting. It costs like uh, eight grand. You know, the more we talk about this, Rob, this is like a racket. I think we should both start painting. It's a racket. I think it's a racket. And so uh, Elaine is, of course, wearing the Baltimore Orioles hat. Um, I feel like the, we get a lot of the uh, Elaine origin story in this episode. Did we know Elaine was from Maryland or outside of Baltimore before this episode? Yeah, we knew she was from Maryland um, because it was mentioned uh, when we met Alton Bennett. But we didn't know she was from Towson. We didn't know she was an Orioles fan. Um, you know, do you think her father's really sick and she's not going to visit him or it's a total excuse? Oh, I think it's a total excuse. Because I could see her not visiting her sick father because he's kind of a terrible person. Yeah, but I think she just didn't want to go to the Briss. Yeah, I would imagine. So There's, I don't know why you wouldn't want to go to a Briss. There's great food. <laughs> so um, does Elaine ever mention her Baltimore Orioles fandom ever again in the show? I can't think off the top of my head of her... I'm trying to, I, I, in my head, I have a picture of her wearing an Orioles hat again. Okay. But I don't know if it really comes up. We'll watch for that. Okay. And so the, it's the owner's box and they want Elaine to take off the cap. I thought it was like a, a good piece of dialogue and acting where, you know, the Leonard West says to Elaine, you know, we're in the owner's box. I think you should really take off that cap. And she's like, yeah, I should. Uh, and he's like, no, I'm serious. And so then uh, she does not want to take off the hat. Yeah, and I think that comes from, you know, Larry's real-life story also because Larry said he was basically dumbfounded when in the third or the fourth inning, some flunky came and said, you know, Mr. Autry really does not want anybody wearing, uh, I don't know if it was just Yankees or if he doesn't want any non, non-angels, you know, paraphernalia in the box. Yeah, I think it's probably against the team you're playing. I think that's probably the big insult. Right, but if it was a third party, I guess the Yankees would be the wrong third party. Yeah, but I feel like whatever situation you're in, you know, whether it's Yankees, Angels or Yankees, Orioles, if you're wearing a Phillies hat, I don't think it's a problem. Yeah, it's fair, especially if it's a different league. Like if it's teams that don't really play each other, I don't think that's a big deal. (laughs) Even if it's a Mariners hat, uh, I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, I think uh, maybe maybe one day we'll rank the 30 hats in terms of of neutral offensiveness. (laughs) 
Maybe in the Angels uh, Stadium. That's an AL West uh, thing. But maybe. Uh, I don't think it would have been a big deal. Of course, because uh, they're playing the Orioles. That's the problem. Um, although later on, when they bring... Uh, are the Yankees still playing the Orioles when Elaine goes to the second game? I mean, maybe it's like a five-game series. It's like a huge, uh, you know, it's like sweeps around one weekend. I can't imagine it's uh, all around one weekend because it's like a... Elaine went to the game one on Saturday, right? Uh, yes. And then it's in the Sunday newspaper. And then Mr. Lippman flew to uh, uh, Houston, Houston, right? Yeah. <laughs> and right. he came back. Like, he can't be gone in, like, back for a Tuesday. It'd be a Tuesday day game if it was a five-game series. Right. But then would... It then can't would... possibly be another Orioles game. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think you're correct. I think it would have to... Unless it was, like, a rain makeup type of thing. I, I think... Uh, they're on to the next series, probably. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the case. Um, all right. So we'll go back to the Yankee game. And Elaine is going to get into a uh, a struggle with George about taking off the hat. Uh, George's hat gets knocked down. Uh, Kramer goes to get George's hat. Uh, Elaine is also uh, being whisked away by security. And a foul ball hits Kramer in the head. Uh, yeah, and he does like a nice, you know, fall into the first row. Yeah. What did you think of Kramer's fall? It was pretty good. Where are they filming this? I don't know. I was hoping they would tell us in the inside looks, but I wa- it was such a small piece. I think they probably filmed that on the soundstage. I think you're right. But yeah, I do. it was funny him falling backwards onto them. I also like the part about where Elaine is being ejected and George is like, wait, do I have to go too? Yeah, if it was a good game, then, um, you know, I wouldn't want to leave. My My issue also is so... Um, so, uh, Nina's dad comes down and basically ejects them because she refuses to take off the Orioles hat. Um, I don't know, like the protocol, uh, maybe we could find out. Um, but if you were at a game and the team accountant says you have to leave, do you have to leave? Yeah. Does he have jurisdiction? I mean, I guess he could say they're his tickets, uh, and he's taking them back. No, not really. That doesn't work like that in the stadium, does it? <laughs> could, like, is the team accountant like that important? Yeah, well, hey, money talks. He's not even the team accountant because he's got other clients. Like he's not full-time Yankees. He Maybe he's just like Mr. Steinbrenner's personal accountant or something. Could be, could be. Um, all right, so let's go to after uh, the game. We see that Elaine and Jerry are talking and uh, Kramer, uh, you know, he had... The x-rays came back negative, but he wears a bandage uh, around his head the whole episode. And there's a couple times that he comes in Jerry's apartment. Uh, he says to Elaine here, hey, how are you, Carol? Right. And he calls George the wrong name also. Yeah, he calls him Mike later. Yeah, I think um, it's it's very it's a very like subtle storyline because Kramer kind of has like these two like minor B stories going on at the same time. Yeah. But he I mean, he pretty clearly has a concussion here. Yeah, I think so. Does Kramer need to go through the concussion protocol? I think he needs the concussion protocol and they're sweeping this under the rug like it's the 90s. Yes. And now how many concussions has this been for Kramer in the last couple of weeks? Because, of course, we know he hit his head on the coffee table with Mary Hart. Yeah, I mean, right. You'd imagine most of the seizures, the Mary Hart seizures, you know, led to a concussion because he lost control of his body. He goes crazy. Yeah. You know, he he might have to retire soon. He's got a lot of concussions. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. So uh, Kramer shows them how they made the paper uh, for the sports section. How plausible do you think it is that the they would make the paper? 
All right. And the New York Times, because if you said the New York Post, I would say plausible. Yes. Because I, I know uh, someone who made it this week for something far less significant than this. Okay. But um, you buying it. But the New York Times, page two of the sports section, you'd need to murder somebody in the stands for it to make the paper. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what were they in the paper for? That a guy got hurt? He got a foul ball in his head? I mean, like, maybe it's a funny human interest story that someone got asked to leave for uh, wearing an Orioles hat, but you'd have to make a big deal out of it and go to the media yourself, probably. Yeah. Somebody got kicked out of a Yankee game because they were wearing an Orioles hat in the box. And then also uh, the guy who was with them, then he was trying to retrieve a Yankee hat and he got hit in the head with a foul ball. It must not have been that great a game, Akiva. Mm, um, yeah, maybe it was a slow news day, but I, I also think, do you think they stole this storyline from uh, the famous Save by the Bell storyline? <laughs> We'd have to see which one was written first. Oh, Rob, give me some credit. Obviously, I checked that up before. Okay, check it out. <laughs> uh, the Wicked Stepbrother Part 1. Yes, they went to a Dodger game on, was it Yom Kippur? I think it was, I think it was Rosh Hashanah. Okay. Um, but don't quote me. I, I, uh, Jesse's, um, never again mentioned evil stepbrother. I believe his name uh, was Rob also. I thought it was Eric. Is it? Okay. Yeah. There's no evil Robs. That's right. <laughs> um, anyway, so he, right. So he blackmailed, uh, Zach because he saw, what did he tape the game? And he saw, uh, Zach catching a foul ball at the Mets Dodgers game. Yes. Yes. So a it's Mets a little fan. bit, you know, Seinfeld imitating the, you know, the second greatest sitcom of all time, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we see Elaine with Mr. Lippman. And I, I think it's funny in these scenes where this is almost like a scene that we would see George in, but it's funny to see Elaine thrust in the situation where Elaine is very obviously caught in a lie. Um, like we saw in last week's episode with Eduardo Carocchio, Elaine was just making up a lie for no reason. Here is Elaine caught in a lie, uh, similar to like when George has to take the test where she's really being put to through the paces on uh, how good her lying skills are. Yeah. And I don't know if she's the best liar, but uh, she plays this very well. It's very funny. Um, now, do you say Boyd or buoyed? I think you say buoyed, but I also would not correct somebody who said Boyd. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so she's talking about how she went to go visit uh, her, her dad and she's like stealing the sports section away from Mr. Lippman. And I think he plays it like very funny. Like he doesn't mention anything until the end. He's like, can I have my newspaper back? Did you feel like Elaine was getting away with it up until that point? Yeah, I, definitely the first time I watched it, I did think she was getting away with it. It's also worth mentioning that, you know, we had the fake Lippman in the library. And then, um, and then we had, um, then we had this Mr. Lippman, but remember he was called Mr. Breckman. And, and now, so this is the first time Lippman is Lippman. Okay, good. And Lippman, when he's Lippman, is good. Yeah, Lippman is Lippman. When Lippman's Lippman, nobody's better. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> great job. Um, so he's going to a publisher's convention and uh, Elaine says, oh, what do you need the newspaper for? You know, it's yesterday's news. The Yankees won. The Mets lost. Ricky Henderson's unhappy. Uh, hey, that's 1992 in a nutshell, right? Uh, yeah. Also probably 2006. Yes. Yes. Um, and so he always has to read the paper. So he's taking the, the paper on the plane. Uh, meanwhile, we go back to Nina's apartment and we see this couple. What do you want to call them? 
Uh, the, the they're not mentioned in the episode, but they're called the Armstrongs in the credits. Okay, the Armstrongs. They are staring down the Kramer. Uh, how do they describe the Kramer? Uh, yeah. So there are. Uh, it is. They have a lengthy description scene. Um, Mrs. Armstrong and 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 more of it. By the way, the deleted scenes were like moderately worthwhile, as opposed to they're normally completely not worthwhile. Um, they had a lot more descriptions in the deleted scenes of them talking about the painting. Yeah. But Mrs. Armstrong says, I sense great vulnerability, uh, like a child crying out for love, an innocent orphan in the postmodern world. Okay. And then he says he, see, he, he sees a parasite. <laughs> yes. Now, Akiva, I yeah. used to have the Kramer uh, hanging on my wall. Was this a poster or an actual like painting? Poster, poster. I did not have the painting. And I actually, I still have it. I still do own it. Um, I took it down after the uh, Michael Richards stand-up comedy incident. Look at you taking a stand. No, I think that was the, I think that was the right thing to do. I feel like that would be, uh, I, I want to just like cut down that potentially awkward uh, situation. I, I don't want to, you know, have, you know, with all due respect to Michael Richards and his acting work and everybody can make a mistake. Um, you know, I am, I, I don't want to necessarily, uh, you know, have a, a shrine to Michael Richards at my house. It's fair. Um, yeah, no, I think, uh, I think that's, I think that's, uh, that's, you know, he, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, until whenever he did that, I did have the poster up until that point. It is a great poster. Like, uh, you know, it was a very popular poster, but I, I think certainly back then it would have been taking too much of a stand to keep it up. Yeah. So it's, it's down and I don't think it's going back up. You know, I was thinking like, let's say, you know, since SNL was already going like, you know, Seinfeld for that scene, um, w- what would have had, like, let's say Julie had come. At that point, do you just get like Jason and Michael Richards and like reunite them for a second? Uh, I mean, you could, but I really feel like that now we're really going in a different direction with the SNL. Like, I feel like that's almost like, like it's, it's just, you're reuniting a different famous show on, uh, like right. the, uh, the reunion of a different famous show. Right. But what, I mean, Taylor Swift has so much to do with, uh, with SNL. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't, but at least she was, that was in the context of a scene uh, like they didn't yeah. like reunite Taylor Swift with like, uh, you know, Harry Styles or something like that. Right. Where was John Hamm, by the way? I don't know. Maybe he's maybe doing Mad Men press. Probably. Also, I don't think I don't think Michael Richards or Jason Alexander ever hosted SNL. So they really have no connection. No connection. OK, so uh, let's go uh, to Jerry and Nina talking about the baseball cap. And of course, Nina hates Elaine. Uh, she's not taking uh, her side for anything. It's funny because as far as, um, you know, ex-girlfriends who are still close to the boyfriend go, Elaine is pretty harmless. Yeah. She's not like scary looking. She's not like doesn't give you the vibe of like, I'm going to steal your man away again. Yeah. She's not coming off like very like uh, sexy or anything like that. Like you're not worried that she's going to pull anything. No, not going to pull anything. Not pulling, not pulling anything. And so um, Nina tells uh, Jerry that. Here's the painting that George bought and he owes her $500. Uh, yeah. I mean, five, like, listen, I, you see the pain in George's face when, when she says $500. Yeah. So we go to George and Jerry together and George's like, I'm not paying $500 for this. No way I'm buying this. What were you thinking? It's a piece of junk. Yeah. 
I would be very much in the George camp. Now, we saw Jerry pay, what, $900 out for the woman that, you know, got her car rear-ended in the hit and run. Um, Shouldn't Jerry pay the $500 here or at least offer? Maybe to split it. I mean, you know, he's still he's still hurting from paying out almost a thousand dollars to try and go out with a girl who didn't even go out with him. But George has no money like and Jerry directly gets George into this predicament. He's dating the artist. He brings George to her apartment. He says to the artist, George is here to see the paintings. It's Jerry's fault. Ninety eight percent that this happened. Yeah. When you put it that way, it's true. But why can't George just say no? I guess so. I guess so. he did. He did have to say, oh, art lover. I'm an art adorer. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say they should split it, but it's a fair point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like also that they played it, that everybody thinks the painting sucks. Like even when Kramer looks at it, uh, he says that it's terrible. Like to, I could also see them going in the direction that Kramer's like, uh, like, oh, this painting is fantastic. But Kramer comes in and is just like, this sucks. May, you know, maybe like that means the, the painting of him sucks too. No, that one's, that one was good. <laughs> so she's just a portrait artist. She can't do abstract. Yeah. Uh, and when Kramer comes in, uh, he calls George Mike. Listen, he's, he's heavily concussed. <laughs> and, it's 1993. He's like Al Toon. Oh no. Um, <laughs> he brings in the letter at the door from Nina. Now what did Nina do? She wrote the letter and then she like dropped it off and ran away. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think Newman does house calls like I, this is crazy. Yeah. And so this is when Kramer says that the painting's the ugliest thing he's ever seen. And uh, any highlights from the Nina letter? Um, yeah, I mean, when you hear it the first time, you think like, oh, wow, this is like a nice letter. She's crazy. But like, but it's a nice letter. Yeah. But like the wanting to smash your face with my fist, like there is, you know, that's putting that, you know, they're putting that speech in there because she's like a little nutty. Yeah. Now, did you know anything about chapter two? I know you're not the expert on movies. Um, right. But you're saying, am I a Broadway, in particular, a Neil Simon you expert? Know, yeah. Do you know anything about this that I, I do not have not heard or uh, seen this talked about in anything else other than the Seinfeld episode? No. Well, the movie chapter two that's based on the play is a very forgettable movie that has James Caan. Yes. The, the, I saw the reviews and the ratings on IMDb are, are not good. Yeah. Okay. So what about the actual play? Do you know the play? No, I've never, I'm not a Neil Simon fan. I don't know. I don't think I know any of his plays. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, Jerry is really moved. He's like, oh, I gotta, you know, get back together with her after this letter. Nobody's ever written me a letter like this. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would, I would be turned off by the letter cause it's just so crazy. Yeah. It's like, oh, crazy. She's crazy. She's crazy. Uh, <laughs> So Jerry's going to, but it works with Jerry. He gets, tries to get back together there. And so now we see Nina and Jerry are back together. Um, and you know, they're having like a little bit of a discussion about like some sort of like Western movie about, uh, the posse. Um, are, what's the appeal of the posse for you, Akiva? Well, are you saying it's not a week long game of hide and hide and seek on horseback? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know much about the posse. Well, I mean, is how many how many friends do you need to have to make a posse? I think a posse is there's a quorum of four. I think three yes. is not a posse. Four is minimum uh, for a posse. Right. I think three is like these are the only two guys who will hang out with me. Yeah. Yeah. Four. That's why entourage is four. I think. Yeah. I think four is a good posse number. Um, so here comes George. 
And, uh, you know, George is like, oh, hey, I think I, uh, I owe you money. Yeah, she's probably like needs that money to pay her bills. Yeah. And so George goes with the approach that, oh, I feel like I'm stealing it from you. I can't take this. It's going to be worth thousands. Yes. And she says, no, I want you to have it. Yeah, I mean, uh, he does a good job, you know, a workman job trying to get out of this. But he, there's what no way. What can he say to get out of this at this point? Well, there, now, once you go there, you can't be like, I'll give you 250 for it. Because then she's like, what do you mean? Like, go the opposite direction. You just said it's going to be worth thousands. Yeah. I mean, what should he say? I can't afford it. Is that what he should say? Yeah, he should say, yeah, swallow your pride. Say, I can't afford it. Say, like, you know, I don't really have a place to hang it. Or I just remember, like, my super doesn't allow me to hang anything in the apartment. Um, but let me pay for the uh, framing. Yeah. Okay. And get, get out just down 100 bucks or something. Yeah. I think that maybe uh, that could have worked in George's favor, but uh, no, <laughs> she basically is saying that uh, she really, the money's not important as she, George has to have it. Uh, yeah. He's stuck. All right. Now here's Elaine. She's coming up. They buzz her up and Nina is like really like indignant. Like this person does not believe in the telephone. We find out Elaine is uh, a popping, uh, a popping gal. Uh, George himself is a popping guy. Yeah, everyone in Jerry's life is a popping guy, but how could Nina judge people when she's a pop into the house when no one's there and leave a uh, letter by the door? Yeah, that was a pop-in thing. Akiva, are you a pop-in guy? Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not even a cold beforehand guy. I'm a never pop guy. Yeah, not a pop-in person. Even when you invited me over, and I told you I was coming. I, I come in and I say, like, are you sure you want me here? <laughs> are you sure you wanted me to, like, you can, if, if you just want me to leave instead, I won't be upset. There aren't a lot of pop-ins in 2015 anymore. Yeah. Maybe, like, your next door neighbor, you'd knock on their door without calling. Yeah. Okay. But not, you're not, you're not like, driving 10 minutes away or taking the subway for a pop-in. Yes. Yes. All right. So really, uh, we've got some shade thrown towards Elaine by Nina when she comes in. She doesn't even say goodbye to her. Yeah. I mean, this could work in general work in Jerry's favor, like having the jealousy, like maybe makes certain girls like more, uh, you know, protective of Jerry and into him and like, you know, I'm going to fight for you. Yes. Which is kind of what, which is what the letter says. Yeah, I guess so. But um, it doesn't really improve the relationship in any tangible way uh, for Jerry. It just makes things uh, less fun. Yeah, well, this, this relationship is dead on arrival. Yeah. All right. So we go to the couch and everybody's sitting there. It's George and Elaine in the middle and Jerry on the other side of the couch. And Jerry is flipping through. And almost it's a very similar conversation that Jerry and Elaine have in the deal. Yes. There's like a common fight with them. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a common fight with most people who watch television together. Yeah, who should have the remote? I mean, are you are you the guy with the remote when you watch television? Who's going to do it? My wife? You don't you don't let her you don't let her Akiva, please. Please. If I go to my friend's house, like I will try and like steal the clicker if we're f flipping back and forth between things. Yeah, I, I don't mind. Like uh, if I'm I think it really depends on whose house it is. Like I feel like yeah. that would be weird if you came to my house and you had the remote control. It, listen, it, but if you're telling me that now, now I know not to come. Okay, fine. Well, don't just pop in either. It hurts. I'm not popping in. It, it hurts me when someone else has the remote. Yeah. Akiva, I could not just tell you, though, uh, the last time, other than like, like my in-laws or something or my, or my mom coming to visit, I could not tell you the last time I had somebody in my house that I was sitting there like, oh, let's see what's on TV. 
Right, I guess, right. If, even if someone comes to watch television, you're watching one thing. Yes, probably. We're, you've, you've come over, we're watching X. We're not some like, uh, well, come over, come over on Sunday. Let's see what's on. Did you have a Super Bowl party? Um, well, I watched the Super Bowl with my wife. Yeah, I guess that's a party. I guess so. We, uh, Who we, got the remote, though? I, what, why do you need the remote during the Super Bowl? Well, you know, to switch the volume you know, up and down a little bit. I need, it's like, uh, it's like a child with a pacifier. I need the remote at all times. Yeah, all the remotes are like on, up on a shelf where uh, my son can't get them. That's a good move, actually. <laughs> They're all, they're all out of reach. And uh, look, we're watching, we're watching it. If we're watching something recorded, my wife and I, I have to hold the remote because I get very annoyed when I say to my wife, why are we watching commercials that we don't watch commercials in this house? Why are we not fast forwarding through the commercials? And my wife says, I like the commercials. Oh, come on. And, and we're not talking about like dur- during the Super Bowl. Like uh, she, she has like a Ellen DVR from uh, like two weeks ago. Like really, we're, we're, what are we watching the commercials for? Oh, I, I like to see the commercials. <laughs> Is that, I don't even think she really does. I think she's just trying not to say, oh yeah, I, I forget that uh, I didn't think to fast forward the commercials. Probably. Yeah. All right. So we fight over the clicker. It ends up with George with the clicker. I don't like that they call it the clicker either. Uh, I got bad news for you. That's what I call the remote. You call the remote the clicker? Yep. And everyone hates it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why? Is that just like uh, your parents called it the clicker? Listen, I'm sure you call it whatever your parents called it. I, I guess people say remote clicker. What's like the third big one? Um, I, don't I would think like to know what people thing. call them. <laughs> I don't think there is. Channel changer? Oh, that's like, that's maybe in like the 60s, they call okay. that. Well, I mean, look, this is the pot calling the kettle black here. All right. I, I, I'm going with clicker, though. Okay. And so we end up with this, with George getting the clicker. Uh, I like that he calls Jerry and Elaine pinheads. Yeah, they are pinheads. <laughs> and so we end up with this movie and it ends up being the same scene out of the letter. Um, again, I don't like that. I feel like this is the same as in the heart attack, right? When Jerry is trying to uh, read what's going on uh, in his handwriting and then the flaming globes of Sigmund when George is in the hospital bed. I feel like this is the same exact thing. It's similar. Um, I think here it's like proving a different point. But yeah, I, I guess. I guess the reveal from the television, they're going to the well probably one too many times. I mean, it's the same exact thing in that a character is flipping through the TV channels and just happens to be going to the exact thing at the exact moment in the exact scene that has the dialogue that figures out what the they're talking about. Yeah. How often was this movie on in uh, <laughs> when you only had five channels back then anyway? I don't know. All right. So... Uh, <laughs> Jerry, I like when he says that uh, he opts for happiness. James Caan doesn't opt for happiness. Yeah, don't confuse Jerry with James Caan. Yeah. All right. So then uh, Lipman is on the phone and he just happens to, a lot of coincidences in this episode. He just happens to also have be a client of the accountant who's recounting the exact story of the Elaine thing to Mr. Lipman. And apparently Mr. Lipman didn't read the paper. Uh, no, did not. Unless he's really slow playing her. Yeah, yeah. And he's a genius, if so. Well, Elaine did say when she's on the couch that he does know he's trying to torture her. But based on what we know of Mr. Littman, this does not seem like something he would do. No, he's not a mastermind. But I do think, you know, that line is there for a reason, maybe. Hmm. I don't know. 
That would be interesting. Let us know in the comments if you think that Mr. Lippman knew about this and then is trying to uh, really put Elaine in a bad spot or it's all a coincidence. And so he basically recounts the whole story to Elaine and says that they have tickets again. She should come with them to go to the Yankee game. Break your plans. Come with us and bring your Orioles hat. It'll be funny. Yeah, you already missed the Briz. Don't miss the game. Yeah. Now, we've seen Elaine lie about so many things. Shouldn't she? Like, yeah, I have blah, blah, blah. I can't get out of it. What is Elaine doing going to this game with the Orioles hat? Yeah, the positive expectation here is zero. I mean, you have to, you know, call in later that day and say you're sick. Like, there's no way you can show up at the game. Yeah, I was hit by a car. I can't go. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it's, I mean, again, they're not going with, I'm in quarantine. No, yeah, they're, they're not, but they're not going with Nina's dad. So is it possible that he might not be at the game? It's possible, but then who's Mr. Lippman playing the joke on? Right, I guess, I guess, uh, you know, just the two people he's with, I guess they wouldn't care. Yeah, so yeah, I you're mean, right. I don't think that the original deal was, hey, I've got four tickets and my dad is going to show up. Um, I don't even know why he, he was at the game. If he, did he have five tickets? And he said, hey, he gave the tickets to his daughter. He's like, find anybody to go to this game with me. I've got seats in the owner's box. Yeah, Rob, I think we've established that other than George Steinbrenner, the number two guy in this organization <laughs> is the accountant. Yes. Because he can eject people from the stadium and he clearly does not even need a ticket to get into the game. Yeah. Um, Let's go to Jerry. I I thought when we go to see Jerry back with Nina, uh, we end up seeing, I thought she was painting Jerry, like the way that he's posed, but that's not what she's doing. Right. It looks like that though. Yeah. It looks like that. And Jerry is sort of like saying to her, like, so seen any good movies lately? Uh, I like a good comedy. And you know, he's like, like dancing around the thing. I don't know why Jerry does this move, uh, to people. Like he was doing the same thing we saw with the woman that did the hit and run recently also where like, uh, you know who leaves a note after a hit and run? Um, is he just trying to uh, get her to admit it? Yeah, I guess he's just, he's trying to catch her in a lie, maybe. Yeah. And so Jerry is, as you know, I caught chapter two. Funny. It's funny. Very funny. But again, much like how the woman plays it in uh, the hit and run thing, she doesn't acknowledge anything about what he's talking about. No. Okay. So in the deleted scene, um, they, she says, okay, fine. You know, I, I, I copied it, but they don't show it. They must've cut it for time because it's definitely relevant to the, to the episode. It wasn't especially funny. Yeah, but it was it was definitely worth putting in there, uh, even if they cut one of the times like Kramer walks in and calls someone the wrong name or something. Yeah. Uh, and then Jerry says in the deleted scene, he says, you need a you know, I'm going to break up with you because uh, you need a rhinoceros with a blowtorch since no one is no one else is getting to that bathroom. Wow. And it just sits there for 10 seconds. You're like, what? And he's like, oh, that's a line from Plaza Suite. Another Neil Simon play. OK. Then uh, we get to the couple, the Armstrongs, right? Uh, they want the Kramer. 5,000 yeah, in the deleted scene. That's like, there's more of them a little bit also in this scene. Uh, and then they, because they establish how they get to Kramer, they say like, we really want to meet him. And Jerry says like, oh, I can, I can arrange that. Yeah. All right. So we go back to Jerry and George. They're watching the Yankee game. Um, George is trying to sell the painting for $10. Uh, yeah. So if we assume Jerry buys this painting, uh, does the, in the, is Jerry even count, which we said is like at about negative 7,000. Does Jerry get plus 490 for this painting that he probably should have bought for five, bought for 500. He's now buying for 10 and he gets it for 10. Boy, is this a minus 10 or is this a plus 500? Hmm. Well, 
because he got out of paying for it. Yeah, he he made profit. Like maybe this paint, maybe Nina becomes famous one day, and he has this ten dollar painting. Did did he buy it for ten dollars? I think it's like uh, I think sort of George is just gonna leave it there. Yeah, you're probably oh, so you know maybe he's up five hundred even. Yeah, okay, so we'll see. But I guess you're assuming that Nina's art is going to increase, and you know past performance is no guarantee of future success. That's true, but is it going to decrease? Like, is it going to get worse over time? I mean. There's no guarantee it's getting better. I guess. If it's bad now, then who knows? Yeah. And if it was bad in 1992, it's probably worse now, Akiva. I think that's the rule. Maybe it's retro. I don't know. We don't know anything about art. No, we don't. Okay. So I would have liked to have seen in the inside looks how they came up with what that art was. Oh, yeah. That's a good question. Like, did they make someone do a bad painting? Like, say, like, oh, by the way, we're going to insult your painting on TV. Right. Like in the Pez dispenser, when they tried to play the piano bad. um, So do they try to make a bad painting or they just took a painting that was like, oh, whatever. Yeah, it's a good question. The inside look should. There's no commentary in this episode. The inside look should have more of that. All right. So what do you think of uh, Phil Rizzuto with the call of what's going on with Elaine? So he's not credited Phil Rizzuto. And I guess if people don't know, that's the announcer you hear on the screen who was the Yankees announcer. I, I don't. Do you think that is Phil Rizzuto? Is it somebody imitating him? Because he's not credited. Hmm. I feel like it would have been Larry David if it was. They Now, when we get to Phil Rizzuto on the keychain, uh, yes. is that Phil Rizzuto? Uh, does he does he show up? I'm not sure. When When does Phil Rizzuto die? Yeah, he died, he died in 07. Okay. But uh, he, he never shows his face on the show. Holy but they, cow. They um, just have the head of his the keychain saying, holy cow. Okay, yeah. so give us the account of what Phil Rizzuto is describing. Yeah, so Phil Rizzuto, and again, this is done, I think you'd agree, like a little sloppily, right? A little bit. So, yeah, you hear the team voice saying, like, we're not going to show it because, uh, you know, they don't show fights and people run. Although they usually just don't show people running in the field. You yeah. know, I don't know what the rule is for fights. Well, but then I guess they put you, them in the Sunday New York Times. Right. They, they put them on, page, on the second page. Um, so he said there's a, there's a young lady and she's going at it with the security guard. And now they're getting another security guard. To, to come, you know, fight with her. So I'd like to, what do you think is happening in this scene? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess Elaine, what they're trying to tell us is that Elaine wore the uh, Baltimore Orioles hat and then they made her take it off again. And she said no again. How does she not get fired for this? I don't know. And how does she not like sheepishly like take off the hat again? It was like Mr. Lipman like said, I want you to wear the Orioles hat. It wasn't like Elaine's like, well, I'll tell you what, Lipman, you take me to that game. I'm wearing my Orioles hat. I've got Orioles pride coming out the you know what. So if I'm going, I'm wearing my hat the whole time. Unless like the guy just saw Elaine, like saw red and was like, give me that hat, you bitch. Uh, And then like they got into some sort of confrontation that way. Or did uh, like, oh, so you're the one that broke up my daughter and that nice comedian. Like, um, you're ejected any right now. Right. And also, like, why can't you just leave the Orioles hat at home and say, like, oh, I forgot it. Or, you know, it's going to bother my hair or something, you know. <laughs> yes, she didn't want to upset Mr. Lippin. <laughs> well, I mean, she should have got fired from this. Let's be fair. I mean, she should have said she got hit by a car and just not even been there at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, And then we see Kramer with the Armstrongs uh, and we find out a little bit of the Kramer origin story. He hopped the steamship to Sweden. Yeah. So I was thinking uh, he has a concussion still, so he may just be making up stuff like he doesn't know George and Elaine's name. Yeah. I think those are things that actually happened to Benjamin Button. Yeah, I think this is non-canonical. Yes. I'm going to say that he didn't necessarily hop a steamship. And you know, I actually had read, uh, I read the Jay Peterman biography uh, recently, and I think that's actually something that happened to Jay Peterman. Sounds like something Peterman would do. Yeah. 
maybe on a raft or something. <laughs> I think that was that was from uh, his. I don't know why Kramer is ripping off one of the Jay Peterman, the young Jay Peterman stories. Um, yeah, but listen, he has a concussion. He he doesn't know what up, what's up, what's down. <laughs> yeah. All right. And so, and then I did like what Jerry was saying in the last piece of stand up about how uh, sneaking down and trying to get better t- seats and then, and then faking like the misunderstanding, like, oh, these aren't my seats. And it's like, oh, yes, I have very bad seats. These are very good seats. Yeah, that's seats. funny. Yeah, that's good. It's a good stand up. And listen, everyone's been there. Um, I'm sure you've snuck down in your day, right? Yeah, I like what Jerry says. It's like, you know, it's not a big deal when you're a kid. You're always getting chased out of places when you're a kid. But when you're an adult, it's very embarrassing. Yeah, it's great. I mean, listen, if you have a team that stinks and you go late in the season, uh, they'll let you sneak down. Um, but yeah, I spent many, many times in my childhood, you know, sneaking way down. Yeah. And so uh, it's still a thing. It's still a thing. All right. Akiva, let's yeah. talk about uh, in 2015, how would this episode be different? I feel like uh, the Elaine fight would have been on Deadspin and then Lippman would have seen it. Yeah. Would I might have been on Instagram, on Twitter and stuff like that. Would it have been a social media thing? Yes. Kramer would go through the concussion protocol. Yeah. Kramer, you know, we wouldn't be making jokes out of his, about his concussion. Yeah. Uh, that's for sure. Yes. Um, in terms of the Jerry Nina thing, he could have Googled the letter. Yes. And realized it was plagiarized. And George could have put the art up on Craigslist and maybe got somebody to come buy it. Yeah, he could have conned somebody, do like buy it for uh, not Jimmy Con. He could have conned someone for like a hundred dollars. Right, right. That Jimmy Con that uh, he uh, opts. He does not opt for happiness or for art. Or for art, no. Okay, all right, Akiva. Uh, where do you put this in your rankings? Yeah, I don't. I I, I was actually confused because it's not a bad episode, but it's very uneven. Uh, I don't hate it or anything. Yeah, I think there's good and bad to it. I think I, I like the Kramer painting. Um, I like the stuff about uh, Kramer with the concussion. I like uh, Elaine and everybody at the baseball stadium and Elaine with Mr. Littman. The Jerry and Nina thing uh, is the weakest part of the story for me. The actual part of the letter. Yeah, and it doesn't end so cleanly either, the episode. Yeah. Um, so I put it at a 115. 115. There you go. All right. Let's uh, dip into our Seinfeld mailbag and talk about what you guys have to say. Of course, every week we answer your questions. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. And uh, let's take a couple of uh, letters from you guys. Uh, let's start with uh, Craig Allen. Uh, and Craig uh, has a question and he wants to know, I'm not sure which side I would be on in the issue with Elaine in the baseball cap. On the one hand, it's a sporting event in North America and anyone should be allowed to wear and support whatever team they want anytime they want. And as a BC Lions season ticket holder, I get extremely pissed off when I'm sitting around anyone uh, wearing Lions garb only to see that a completely turncoat uh, is going to abandon the team when the Saskatchewan Rough Riders come to town. Damn riders. Catherine Keener is really uh, the first of the boyfriend girlfriends of one of the characters to really hit it big uh, in an acting role after the show. Who of the boyfriend girlfriends do you both think has been the most successful acting wise after their appearance? Seeing as Keener is the only one to have been nominated for an Oscar, uh, she could be the one. All right. Uh, first time sending in an email. Took me about 15 minutes to write this, but it will probably be for nothing because I likely got the email address wrong. Happy podcasters, you loathsome, offensive brutes. Thank you, Craig. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, 
So I thought about this and I'll give you my list and uh, you could see what, we'll see what you have to say. Okay. So first for the, for each character, I'd say Kramer's most famous girlfriend is for sure Sarah Silverman. Okay. Uh, George, Marissa Tomei played herself, so she doesn't count. Does not count. So Megan Mullally. Megan Mullally, okay. Wife of, wife of Ron Swanson. Yes. Uh, Elaine, you know, JFK Jr., you don't see, it's mentioned. So I'm going to say Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and then, so for Jerry, I've got five, and you'll tell me who had the best career post-Seinfeld. Okay. Uh, it's, not, it's not Catherine Keener in my eyes. I'd, I'd put her probably sixth on the list. Sixth, okay. Just on the outside looking at Here's the five. Anna Gunn. Okay. Who is uh, Brian Cranston's wife in, in Breaking Bad. Yes, Skylar. Uh, Lauren Gran. Okay. Uh, Gilmore, Gilmore Mom. Uh, Deborah, Deborah Messing. Yes. Uh, Terry Hatcher. Yes. And Courtney Cox. Uh, okay. I think that uh, I rank those. Uh, I think Courtney Cox has had the, uh, the best overall career. Uh, then uh, who was the third one? It was Hatcher, Gunn, Hatcher, Deborah okay. Messing and Lauren Graham. Okay, so I think it's Court, it's Courtney Cox is one. Uh, then Deborah Messing is two. Uh, Terry Hatcher is three. Uh, and who were who the first two? Anna Gunn and Lauren Graham. I think Anna Gunn is four and Lauren Graham is five. Yeah, pretty pretty good. I'd say Cox uh, Courtney Cox was on her episodes right before Friends, so she really if yeah. you're going by money made, you know she blows everyone else away. Although I'm sure Terry Hatcher was. Well compensated by uh, Desperate Housewives. Yeah, I mean Courtney Cox has done a lot of things. She did uh, all of the Friends things, and then she had uh, what was like the FX uh, like Coo- pop, pop Cougar or, Town. No, well Cougar Town was later, and then also uh, she did like the uh, like what was like the it was like the paparazzi uh, like serialized. Oh yeah, I, I don't remember the name of that. I do remember that it was yeah. probably only one season. So she's had like three series. Uh, Deborah Messing did, you know, Will and Grace, and then also it has the Mysteries of Laura. Also, she was on Smash. Uh, Terry Hatcher is, you know, uh, at one point looked like she might have had the biggest upside. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, but she, you know, I feel like it's sort of like, uh, like been up and down and then up and down. You know, yeah, her career has not been so spectacular. It's not been. It's been real. But not not about spectacular. Like she sort of like was like, hey, oh, hey, Lois and Clark, that's hot. And then she like went away. And then she had like, oh, Desperate Housewives. Here's Terry Hatcher. But then also, no, that's gone. Yeah, has she ever been in a movie? I'm sure she's been in a movie. I don't. I can't think of one movie she's been in. (laughs) I don't know. Um, All right. uh, So let's take a question from uh, JDS. Johnny D. Silvera wants to know. Um, have you either had an experience where you or a friend had been kicked out of the game for wearing the opposing team's gear? Uh, that's a good question. I, I'll say no, but I, the, the game, the aforementioned Jets Raiders game I went to, I was asked, not by Al Davis, but by the, my father's friend who took us to not wear Jets gear, uh, not because it would offend Mr. Davis, but because it would get me murdered, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I have been to some Dodger games out here, and the Dodger crowd, uh, especially in the cheap seats, are not particularly welcoming to the um, incoming visitors. And like, I remember like going to a Mets Dodgers game and it was a guy that he had like a Tom Glavin Jersey on. We were in like the all you can eat pavilion, like $17 seats, like in the bleachers. And people were just like throwing garbage at this guy where, as opposed to Tom Glavin, who was actually throwing garbage on the mound. <laughs> oh, I was um, going to say, I would have, if it was Tom Glavin himself, 
I would have been throwing yeah, stuff. Yeah, but people were just like throwing garbage <laughs> at the guy. And it wasn't like the guy, like the guy in the Tom Glavin jersey wasn't like, uh, like, hey, Dodgers fans, suck it. Uh, I mean, he was just like minding his own business. Like I saw like a girl at the at the game another time, like that was just like wearing Mets clothes. And people were like just like booing her. <laughs> like it was like uh people were really uh crazy. So I wear like Bob, you gotta like, sneak down to like the second row. Yeah, I only go to the Dodger game now if I have good seats because uh, the, the like the people on the like are much more civilized at the Dodger game to the opposing teams. Um, and I think I've talked about on the podcast where you know my wife is getting me into fights at a Dodger game. Uh, oh no, I've never I've never heard that. I've talked about this where she where like we're going to like Dodger games and and uh, people are like uh, like there were people like behind us they're like. Uh, uh, right, you suck, right? Reyes, you suck. You suck, Beltron. Uh, and uh, my wife is like, hey, you know what? You suck. Like, <laughs> don't say that. Don't do that. Don't say that. Just well, let, if it, the go. Guy let comes, it go. Who's fighting? Are you fighting or is right. she fighting? And like, she even cares about the game. <laughs> like, she's sitting there for 162 Mets games and she's mad that, hey, don't you say anything about David Wright. Uh, well, ho- hopefully she has your back when she uh, starts a fight. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, let's uh, close it out here with Chester uh, and hear what Chester has to say. Um, Chester says, uh, this episode makes me profoundly sad. I don't know what it is, but every scene with Catherine Keener makes me deeply depressed. Is it just me? Is that just Chester? Um, Yeah, I think, first of all, I don't know if we should trust Chester's judgment. If you saw Patriots owner Robert Kraft, what would you, would you be friendly to him or would you be mean to him? I wouldn't be mean to him. I think he could probably just have me like rubbed out off the face of the earth. Yeah, that's true. I guess once a guy is like a billionaire, you probably don't mess with him. Yeah. I think so I'm so. not sure I trust his judgment, but yeah, I, I think, um, I think, uh, George is clearly right. We've established George is right here. Okay. Um, also, uh, Chester wants to know why does George have to leave the game just cause of a lane? They're not dating. Yeah. If it was a big game, even if they are dating, you have to, you know, stay for the game. Yeah. Um, I think that he didn't have to leave. I think oh, the point that Kramer gets hit in the head with the ball, I think they all probably have to go to the hospital. That's fair. I think, yeah, once Kramer gets hit in the head, I think it's game over. Yes. <laughs> and uh, finally, Chester wants to know, what does Lippman's uh, tiny personal office, why does it say Pendant Publishing on the door? We've seen that Pendant's office takes up a whole floor. Uh, this makes no sense. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's a good question. Um, and, you you know, I, maybe he, it used to be just one office and then it blew up to a whole floor and it's like a relic of the old days, but oh. right. I guess if you, it, like, like if you, if you're, if you're, um, you know, if in your house, it just said like, you know, Rob has a podcast on the door of your recording room. Like, would that be weird? No, I don't. I mean, it would be weird if uh, a little bit, but I don't think it would be that. But weird. what if it just said Rob's house on, your, on the <laughs> yeah, door? Yeah, that would your... be weird. Like if it okay, if, so if, uh, if on the door to my, you know, recording studio, if it said like the Sesterninos, like uh, that would be weird. Like if like what you would put like on the mailbox. That's probably a better, better analogy. Yeah. All right. Akiva, what's coming up next week? All right. So next week, the second to, uh, Last, the penultimate episode of uh, season uh, season three is uh, the part is the parking spot. Parking spot, okay. Or the park. Wait, there's parking space. I think parking Sorry. space. All right. Either way, we'll, we know what we're talking about. All right. Yeah, parking space. Parking space. As not, not to be confused with the parking garage. Right. And what is the hashtag for this episode? Do you have anything? Steamship to Sweden. Yeah, that's not bad. Steamship to Sweden. Okay. Or uh, 
Hashtag. What about but, what about button flies? Button fly? Okay, I can go with that. Or uh, button <laughs> button fly? Yes or button fly? No. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Let button us know. Fly, Let us know if you're pro pro button fly or anti button fly. All right, so we'll be back uh, next week. I just want to uh, give a couple uh, quick thanks to uh, Mike Moore who writes uh, these uh, fantastic episode recaps every week. Really appreciate uh, Mike who does that every week for us on Post Show Recaps, and also uh, thanks to Scott St. Pierre who does all of the editing on this show. Appreciate that, Scott. All right, Akiva. Looking forward to uh, getting back next week. Can't believe uh, season three almost in the rearview mirror. Yeah, we are getting close. Yeah. All right, great show today, Mike. I was uh, that uh, that was a concussion joke. I was <laughs> uh, good job, Carol. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I had a concussion myself. It took me thirty seconds there. All right, take care. Bye.